Welcome to another week of Coffee and Conversations here at Village Bible Church. Coffee and Conversations aims to answer difficult questions and address hard topics using a biblical perspective. So we use God's Word as our guide and as our truth as we walk through this life together. And I'm just so excited to sit down with you today and look at what God's Word has to tell us about our struggles and our doubts and our questions. So go ahead and grab a cup of coffee and come join us and let's dive in. trying to figure out what story to tell today um because you know how when you like talk to adults and they've like they've got their story and they like know what God's been doing in their life and they can like see the big picture I don't feel like I see like the big picture of what I'm supposed to be doing on this earth yet um but I see like the starting of a bunch of like little plot lines like so I'm like chapter four or five in a book right I don't not like in the end you don't know what's going on yet um so there's a lot of stuff I've left out, if you know me, but there's a lot of stuff that's in here, and a lot of you have probably heard it before. I don't know. Hopefully it's a good story, but this is, this is what it is. Um, yeah. Maybe it'll make sense in a second. Okay, um, so I've called myself Christian for 21 years. Um, I got saved when I was four. I'm 25 now. Um, but I only really started pursuing God in the last four years. Um, and a lot of people don't believe that I was saved when I was four. They're like, the gospel's too complex. A four-year-old can't understand it. The gospel message is very simple. A four-year-old should understand it if you use the right words. I totally knew what was going on. It was fine. Um, but we went to Southside at the time, Ken and Kathleen's church before this. Um, and we knew the Dalton family pretty well. They were pretty good friends of ours. Um, and my grandparents that went to Southside also lived three doors down from their other grandparents, so not Ken and Kathleen, their mom's parents. Um, and I had a massive, massive crush on David. Um, it was great. So um, we get to elementary school, and we're still at Southside, and I'm the little kid that's running around, like, at recess and, like, at sleepovers being, like, Jesus forgave you, so you should forgive your friend, too, and, like, he loves you, so you should love your friend. Like, I was that annoying little girl that's like, what is this third grader telling us about Jesus? We don't care. Um, but that's what I did because I was, like, I was, I was bought in to all the Jesus um, but once you get to middle school, that's not as cool anymore. <laughs> People think you're kind of a dork. Um, and we also switched churches when I was in middle school, so we started going to a church that was closer to where my parents live in Plainfield. Um, and that's when I started using prayer journals, which it's funny that we're talking about prayer today. Um, but I started writing down all kinds of things in prayer journals. Um, and middle school was a really hard time for me, and I don't, I rarely think of middle school as a great time for my faith, but then when I go back through these, I'm like, wow, my heart was doing something good. I just wasn't confident enough to, to show everyone else yet. Um, so use prayer journals. They're great. Um, but I started using them and I started praying all the time for David. <laughs> so like his name is all over all of these prayer journals and I'm going to give you a couple examples that are quite embarrassing but they're funny. So this one I like started out this one's all about David. I'm like so thankful that he's my friend and I haven't seen him in a while and I really miss him and I said I'm in middle school. I said, I really like the way he talks to me and throws volleyballs at my head. <laughs> I was in love, right? It was great. And then another time I wrote, this one's even more embarrassing. It's great. Um, I said, all right, God, I have something new to bring to the table. <laughs> when we were at Southside Bible Church the other week, Pastor Ken mentioned that if we asked for anything according to you, we would get it. So I'd like to ask for David. And then... It's a whole thing, but this, this, these are full of them. They're all embarrassing. It's great. So that's, I was completely head over heels in love with them. 
Um, but right about when I started going to high school, my family stopped going to church for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but we still visited Southside every once in a while with my gra- with my grandparents when we stayed there. Um, and then one weekend, I saw that David had a girlfriend. And so I wrote, hey, look, I'm really happy for David, really. I don't like him so much anymore, and I just really wanted to be my friend. Amen. Cool. <laughs> so, there you go. Heartbroken. Love story, yeah. Heartbroken. <laughs> little love story in my prayer journals. Um, but at this time in my life, the only, really, really the only Jesus during the week was Thursday mornings at FCA at high school. Um, and we, so when we visited Southside with my grandparents, we went to church, um, but I didn't have a home church. I didn't really have a group of Christian friends and I wasn't pursuing God at all. And that's how I headed into college, um, kind of aimless, I guess. And college was really hard for me for a lot of reasons. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life career wise. I felt like everyone else was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a doctor. And I was like, I'm getting a degree. Like that's good enough. Right. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to be doing. Um, and I was also responsible for paying for college on my own. Um, and for me, that meant that I had to keep my grades super high because I had a lot of scholarships. I worked three jobs during the school year and three during the summer, and I was involved in um, almost all the organizations on campus because involvement in a lot of those had a lot of scholarship opportunities. So I was like, well, if I give my time and I, it's paid for, then I'm probably fine. Um, and I also had internships all throughout college. There was a lot going on. Um, my schedule was super full. It was like super busy every, every day. Um, there was a semester that I got an hour of sleep every night, and then, yeah, it was a mess. <laughs> and then I took, like, a two-hour um, two hour nap every afternoon. Not healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all the things. It was not good. I was always exhausted, always burnt out. Um, it was, And I, I really didn't take care of myself because I, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and there were really a lot of great things about college. Um, I'm not trying to say it was terrible, but all of that stuff and the fact that God was, like, in my pocket and not in my heart. Uh, made it really difficult. And I actually, in the moment, I didn't realize that it was really hard. I thought I was just, you know, doing what I was supposed to do and, like, paying for college and do it, doing fine. Um, but, like, looking back, it's, it was really not good. So then we get to my junior year of college, <clears throat> and it was just the worst year. Um, everything that I just mentioned still applied, but then a million more things happened. And so it started with, um, like, an October to November of my junior year. So this, this is what happened. October 15th um, was a Sunday. We had a birthday party for my great-grandpa. He was 100 years old, which was really, really cool. Um, And then that night, his son, my grandpa, was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. There's a lot of details that went into that. Um, But it's a very, very aggressive form of cancer, and it was really scary. So then that Saturday, October 21st, I got engaged to my boyfriend of four years. um, And we we had started dating in high school. And then the next Wednesday, uh, my other grandpa suddenly passed away. It was heart attack, ambulance, stroke, gone in an afternoon. Um, so that was, that was difficult. And then the next couple of weeks were kind of a blur. Um, but then we get to November 16th and that's my birthday. Um, by this time, my grandpa with cancer had had one surgery and the second one was scheduled for November 16th. Um, there were a bunch of complications and he almost didn't make it through that, but he did. And then Friday, two days later, um, I was planning to go to the hospital and visit because he was fine, like he was stable after his surgery, um, and then I get a call, it's my dad, and he says, you need to leave and come right now or you won't get to say goodbye. So, we all rushed to the hospital and we're all there, um, he passed away, of course, um, but we were like standing around him singing his favorite songs, which were I Love You Lord and Amazing Grace, those have also always been my favorite songs, and those were the songs that we all sing at my wedding, so that was super special, um, and then... 
So he passed away on Friday. The next day is the first grandfather's funeral. And then at that funeral, as we were setting everything up and getting ready to go, I looked at my dad and I was like, I don't have any grandpas left. So that's like, this. that's where I was. It was really hard. It was really difficult. Um, and then Mike's funeral was a couple days later, and that was a lot. Big month, right? A lot of things. I know I just glossed over it. I didn't cry, but I've told the story so many times that I, I don't cry with it anymore. Um, but that's a huge month. That's a lot of big things happening all at once. There was a birthday and an engagement, but there was also a lot of death, a lot of diagnosis, a lot of really difficult things. On top of all that, college students, you know that October, November are the hardest months of your fall semester, right? Every other area of my life exploded. So homework got harder, classes got more difficult, midterm projects were due, final projects were starting, and then every job I had was just exploding. There was like change in management or big incidents and tension and like those aren't a big deal, but when every area of your life is doing that, it's a whole mess. Um, and it kept going. So the following semester, my fiance broke up with me. Um, he ended an engagement, not just dating, so that was really difficult. And then that same week, my uncle was diagnosed with stage four colon and liver cancer. So that was also difficult. And that week was the week before spring break for me. So I went on a spring break trip with three of my friends to Florida, to one of their grandparents' condos, and that Tuesday, um, I woke up and I had just hit my limit. Like my bubble of sanity and being okayness just popped. I was like, screw it. Today is the day. Forget him. I'm doing whatever I want. No matter what's been happening, I'm gonna have all the fun. So um, I started drinking at 9 a.m. I didn't stop until 2 a.m. the next day. That is 17 hours of drinking. I do not recommend it. Do not do that. Um, and I only stopped because my friend literally took my drink out of my hand after I had spilled it and I was not speaking English anymore, I had decided I'm just gonna speak Spanish now. So nobody could understand what I was saying anyways. Um, not one of my finest moments. And again, I don't recommend it. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a story that you want to have. Um, but during that day, I applied for an internship. I wasn't going to apply originally because it would have meant spending a lot of time away from my fiance because it was um, further away than um, we had anticipated, but we weren't engaged anymore, so what did it matter? So I applied to this internship drunk while on spring break. The next two and a half months, so from the middle of March to the beginning of June, um, were a mess. I made a ton of bad decisions. It was just, it was just bad. Not a good time. Um, but we get to June 2017, the summer between my junior and senior year, about four years ago, and most of you know this story. Um, I got the internship I applied for in Columbus. I moved in with my grandma in Greenwood to be closer to that internship so I wouldn't have to drive as far. And the first night there, we went on the back deck to eat dinner. And we heard the neighbor's music and saw that this dog running around and we were like, let's go see what's going on. And it was David, um, my current husband and crush since I was five. Um, but he had also moved in with his grandma for the summer. He was between apartments. So the moment that I walked into that backyard, God was just like, here he is, all done. No more looking, here's the dude for you. And also you're gonna stop making not great decisions. You're just gonna, you're just gonna be in love with me again. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. And I know that sounds weird, um, and I, but I can't explain it any better than that. It was just the perfect peace and direction of God. He was just like, nope, you're going to be mine again. Um, so God had reached into my life and just like plucked me out of the mess that I had made and put me in a place um, where I fell in love with the guy that I had prayed for for years. <laughs> um, and more importantly, fell back in love with the God who I finally allowed to take control of my life at that point. So I started reading my Bible and praying again and journaling. I didn't bring those journals with me. Um, I started going to church again here, 
um, and David, I, David and I led the youth group for a couple of years. Um, I graduated. I got the greatest job. I got married, had the cutest little kid, and now I'm a stay-at-home mom. So, pretty good. Um, everything hasn't been perfect, of course. Definitely not. Life will never be easy. Difficult things come up all the time, um, especially in a marriage, especially in a family. So please don't think that the little quick synopsis just a second ago was like, my life is a fairy tale now. Um, no, plenty of crazy things happen, um, but God provided everything that I need to handle those things now. Where I, I wasn't very equipped to handle the big stuff when I was in college, and um, he's, just, he's just given me everything I need now. So I've got a relationship with a person who helps me work on everything I've been through and then everything we go through together. Um, and God also put me in a place where I can take care of myself better than I have ever been able to. I didn't eat right in college or enough sometimes. I didn't sleep a lot. Um, and now if I need a nap, I take a nap. If I need a snack, I walk to the kitchen five steps away. Um, so that's such a blessing. And he also gave me an extended family, all of you guys, who um, that their family is more in love with God than any other family I've ever met. Um, and it's just a constant reminder that I need to look to God in every situation. Um, so that's what I've been doing. And it's pretty awesome. So that's all. <laughs> to Andrea's story and also I, I love Andrea because she's passionate about everything she does and she's also in love with the Lord so thank you Andrea all right today we are going to be talking about prayer which is amazing because Andrea talked a lot about prayer in her testimony and just how much the Lord has worked in her life because she just prayed and trusted in him um, so yeah we're gonna be talking about prayer but more specifically we're gonna be talking about fervent prayer so does anyone know what the word fervent means? Who can define it for us? Continuous? Continuous, yeah. Continuous. Dedicated. Dedicated. Yeah. Yeah, dedicated. Any other ideas what fervent means? Yeah, it's, it's what Maddie and... Andrea said, um, it's also like passionate and intense. It's like praying like your life depends on it. Um, and it's like continuous too. So it's like praying like your life depends on it continually, not just once or twice a year or whenever something bad comes up, but every single day praying like it is like what's going to get you through the day um, and doing it all the time. So we hear all the time in church how important it is to pray. And most of us don't pray as much as we want to. I don't pray as much as I want to. Um, we may pray for a few minutes and then get bored. Um, we may find that we like get distracted or we don't even know what to pray for. Um, and some of you guys might be sitting here and you might be thinking, I don't even know the last time I prayed on my own to God. Um, we, we kind of lose sight of it really easily. And I'm right there with you. I, I really struggle sometimes to just, to just pray, which is crazy because God wants us to pray. Um, and then also we've talked a lot about how God is sovereign, right? Whatever he says goes. So then we kind of have the question of, okay, well, if God's plans are set in stone, then what do my prayers matter? If he's going to do whatever he wills, then why would I even pray to him? Um, and that's a really difficult question to answer. Um, but I hope at the end of the lesson today, you're more confident in your prayer life and know that your prayers do matter. They are powerful. And God desires that we pray because he listens to us and he cares for us. And it's also how we like are in relationship with him. Um, 
So before we begin, does anyone have a story of when God answered a prayer of theirs that they would like to share? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I have, most of you guys don't know this, but I have two older brothers. Like, they've never been involved in church. <clears throat> like, my parents forced them to go when they were little. And I've pretty much been praying about them, like, ever since I can remember, like, every day. And whenever I got baptized a couple weeks ago, one of them was like, Julia, I really want to start, like, getting involved in church again. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Because, like, after a while, like, it's been years years and years of praying and I'm like okay God like when's this gonna happen and then it finally happened and it's just so happy yeah yeah that's awesome yeah God always answers prayers Bethany um so I was like eighth grade I've been praying every night for Emily (laughs) because she's my sister and I love her (laughs) and I just want her to be happy and within this past year she's fell in love with this church and the Lord and has had gotten a bunch of good friends finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really a blessing to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God definitely answered your prayers, your consistent prayers. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I don't have any grandparents left, um, which is kind of weird sometimes, but when my grandma passed away in 2019, I very suddenly... I prayed for my mom because she was not going to cry. Um, Okay, she was just not at this place, and she got like, oh, he's, ew, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, so sorry. No, it's okay, don't apologize. Just like books and stuff to help her because she was just, she was like blindsided. Ew, so sorry. Um, He just like, he just didn't come at all, and I prayed for her so much just because I didn't know what else to do. And she um, started going to church again, and she did it for a long time because no one has went with my grandma and family sit now, like, where she did, and she doesn't get, like, upset during the service anymore. And Sorry, I didn't mean to get so emotional. It's okay. But, yeah, it was just, I'm really happy that she's in a better place about yeah. it because I didn't know if she was going to be, like, okay because mm. she lost her dad when she was a freshman in high school, so... Yeah, she's been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, don't apologize. Your your tears show like how passionate you are and how much you love your mom. And that's awesome that the Lord answered your prayer like that. Yeah. Any other things that yeah, Jalen? Um, I prayed for a long time. Right before COVID happened, we've been going to my family, we've been going to um a church that like we still will go to the church, and it's a great church, but it just was not, like, a great place for me. Like, um, a lot of the kids are very judgmental, and they'd all grown up in church. And I've grown up in church, too, but not, like, at the extent that they mm-hmm. had grown up in church. And so then, over COVID, we watched online, and, like, I just didn't have anywhere to go, really. And then Macy brought me here, so that was good for me. Like, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are awesome stories. God always answers prayers, whether it's the day after we pray or like 20 years after we pray, like Andrea's story. Um, But he always answers prayers because he's always listening. Um, So before we dive into the heart of our lesson today, I wanted us to focus on just how amazing it is that we can pray. 
um, in the first place because we are uh -huh. tiny little human beings. Um, Paige and I actually met this morning. We were talking about how fleeting life is, which just means like our life is just like a breath um, and doesn't really, like in the grand scheme of things, we're just here for like a millisecond. Um, but God cares for us enough to listen to every single prayer that we have. Um, so go ahead and open with me to Psalm 8. And this psalm is basically a praise for how he is the creator, how he is a, um, he is God, he's almighty, he's beyond our comprehension, but somehow he is able to pay attention to us, to care for us, to love us, even though we're these tiny little, tiny little specks, tiny little ants that we like choose to eat ants because they're tiny. That's like what we are. In the grand scheme of history, um, so that was your icebreaker this morning. You know what? Maybe it was. Yeah, I'm tying it all together. Um, so, who would like to read that entire psalm for us? Those eight verses, nine verses. Okay, thank you, Maddie. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth! You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You make him little less than God and crown him, crown him with glory and honor. You make him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the current of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name for us. Thank you, Maddie. Um, so, looking at this psalm, what is the writer of this psalm in awe of? Why is he writing? What's he praising the Lord for? Everything he's done. Yeah, what are some of the things that he has done? According to the psalmist, he's given strength. He's given strength. Yeah, he gives us strength. In verses three, and verse two and three. He's, say, he's saying, you made the heavens, you made the earth, you made everything. Um, you have so much power, you can just speak things into existence. And it's crazy. God's glory and majesty are um, displayed in the smallest parts of creation. So they're displayed in like a baby, right? That's like the smallest part of creation. And God's glory is in that baby. Um, and then the largest parts of creation, like a mountain, God's glory is in that mountain. But even then, all these things, um, whether they're small or whether they're large, they can't, they don't even give God's glory justice. We can't even wrap our minds around God's glory. Um, God is so far beyond us. Um, we have to compare him to things that, he compares himself to things that we can understand, like a mountain. He's like, ah, my love for you is as great as a mountain. Because in our minds, a mountain is the biggest thing we can picture. But really, love, God's love for us is even greater than a mountain. Um, and yet God in his greatness, does, it, like, it doesn't mean that he's far off from us. Um, he doesn't think that he's better than us, and he's like, I'm going to just 
shun them and not pay attention to them because they're so small and I don't have time for them. Rather, he's like involved in our life um, and he wants to listen to us and love us and nothing is going to separate us from him, um, even though he is so far beyond us. Um, and verse 4 tells us that he is mindful and he cares for us. So that means he cares for our lives, our struggles, our joys, our pains. Every single millisecond of your life, he cares about. Um, so how can knowing this, that God cares for you, and everything that you go through, how can that fuel your desire to pray to him? I think like if you can realize how much effort and time he's spent and put into each and every one of us, like we should be willing to give him time and effort too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even like he, like the effort is hard for him. Yeah. It's so easy for him to love us. How else, how else, how does knowing that God genuinely cares for you, how does that fuel your desire to pray for him, to him? You know that he's going to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can have confidence that he's going to listen. Yeah. I feel like confidence that he won't judge us. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm more likely to go to someone who I know loves me no matter what and tell them everything. love to think of it this way that since we don't really have like prayer is a gift right like we don't who are we that we get to pray to a God that is so big and beyond us that's not something that we deserve it's not like we earned that it's a gift he's allowing us to talk to him um, and so as soon as we think of prayer as just a wonderful gift that we don't even deserve yeah Julie uh, he also knows like what you're gonna say before you say it yeah. and that like gives me confidence because you're like he already knows you just need to like tell him yourself like you need to admit it like it's not like he doesn't already know like if your parents ask you a question you're like they already know the answer but like you need to say it. yeah yeah what does that do on your part because even though like your parents may know or god may already know Mm -hmm. what does it do on your part when you say it it makes me realize that it like really happened and like or like that i really did that and then i'm like why did i do it Mm -hmm. so then i like realize that i did it and then i like repent yeah, it's more for, like, your sake. Yeah. Yeah, prayer is a, a gift, and um, it's out of love that God allows us to pray to Him. Um, so prayer is a way to fall more in love with God and to participate in a relationship with Him. Like, um, my friendship with Andrea, if I never talked to Andrea, we probably wouldn't be friends, right? Probably not. You have to talk to someone <laughs> if you want to be in a relationship with them. Um, but the Bible also says that prayer is a lot more than the relationship aspect, too. Prayer is powerful, um, and there are so many examples of how powerful prayer is throughout the Bible, um, And because the Bible is full of stories of men and women who trust the Lord with all their heart, and they pray fervently, so they pray like their life depends on it. Um, so today we're going to be focusing on just one story um, from the Old Testament, where a uh, guy named Elijah prays, and God answers him twice for two different prayers. Um, and then this story is also explained in the New Testament. Um, in James, so we'll look at that too. So go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings 18. It's going to be at the the middle of your Bible, I think. Like the first third, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, First Kings 18. I should have had it marked in my Bible. There it is. Yeah. First Kings 18. So just some context here. Elijah is a prophet. So prophets in the Old Testament were sent by God when a people were disobedient to God. So the Israelites, God's chosen people, had turned against God, and they were not worshiping God. They were worshiping idols. And so Elijah was sent by God to speak God's word to these people and to beg them to repent and turn to the true and living God. And the people here during this time were worshiping and sacrificing to a God named Baal. Um, and they would do horrible things in order to appease this God that they thought existed. So they would actually sacrifice their children um, and their babies in order to make this God happy. Um, and most of us can't even wrap our minds around that. Like, why would you sacrifice a baby to a God that doesn't exist? Um, and so in order to punish them, God sent a drought. Um, so there's no water in this land um, in order to get them to come back to him. Um, but the crazy part is these people thought that the drought was sent because the god Baal was mad at them. So they were sacrificing more of their babies. They were living in more disobedience when actually they were just disobe disobeying God more. And so Elijah here is going to speak to the people and beg them to just turn back to God. Um, so as we read this, I just want you guys to think about what Elijah is praying for, how he prayed for it, and how God answered. So what Elijah is praying for, how he prayed for it, how God answered. Um, what verses am I reading? Okay, it's kind of a long section, so I'm going to just read it real fast and just focus on those three questions. So starting in verse 36, um, and at the time of the offering of the uh, ablation, which is the offering of the babies, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophet of Baal, let, no one, let none of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and drink, for there is a sound of rushing of rain. Of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went down to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up. And looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. All right. So, big passage, kind of some confusing parts, um, but let's just walk through it together. So, the first part, verses 36 through 40, is, we're just, is just the part where God brings down fire on the, um, on the people who uh, worship Baal and the offering. Um, not the, like, none of the babies were being offered yet, but they were, like, setting it up, right? Um, so what does Elijah pray for first? What does he pray to the God? 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Elijah acknowledges that God is above him. He wants people to know the Lord. Yeah. Elijah really wants people to know the Lord. You can almost hear him like pleading with God. Yeah. What happens as a result of Elijah's prayer? The Lord destroys the other altar idol. Yes. Yeah. Fire comes down and destroys everything. Yeah. What were Elijah's intentions here? What? Where do you think his heart was at? He wanted to pray and hope that God would show the people who he is. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah never said, God, like, help me, like, let me show them who you are. God was, Elijah was like, God, you show them who you are. I can't do you justice. You, you show them. Um, do you think that he was just passively praying? You think he was just kind of like, oh, God, you go do your thing, whatever you're, you know, was he passive? No, no, he is pouring his heart out. This is fervent prayer. This is an example of fervent prayer. Um, and how, how quickly did God answer this prayer? Immediately, yeah. Elijah prayed this, and God was like, "Okay, fire, boom." Um, and then, how did the people respond? They were like, "Okay, he's got, he's got it." <laughs> you were like, "I give in." Yeah, yeah. God answered immediately, um, and God did all the work, right? He sent down the fire. God changed the heart of the people. But Elijah, he just, he prayed fervently. He prayed with all he was, and he acknowledged that God was God. Um, and so this shows that there is power in prayer. God is all powerful, but when he commands us to pray, it's because our prayers must do something. Um, but Elijah never thought that he was the one doing the work. He knew that God was doing the work all along. Um, so now let's focus on the second half of the passage. So in verses 41 through 46, this is, there's still a problem of the drought, um, because, um, the people had lived in sin for so long, there was still no water, no rain. Um, so Elijah is praying that the Lord would send rain and kind of like heal the land. So how many times did Elijah have to pray for rain? Looking at the second half of this passage. Seven times. Yeah, so God didn't answer right away. Did he? Like the first time. So sometimes he answers right away to our prayers. Sometimes you have to pray fervently seven times, a hundred times, a million times. Um, but no matter what, Elijah didn't give up. And I'm, I'm sure Elijah pray, prayed with the same intensity every single prayer. I don't think he lost his passion, his zeal. Um, so what does this tell us about how we should pray? Should not give up. We should not give up. Why? <laughs> Why shouldn't we give up? Because God keeps listening. Yeah. And keeps working. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you have to pray a hundred more times than you thought you had to, <coughs> we should never give up. Why is it so easy to give up in our prayers, though? Like, we know God's listening. We read amazing stories like this where God sends out a fire and brings rain. Um, but why do we give up in our prayers sometimes? And then sometimes we get mad because 
depends on your school district. Yeah. But he knows that he's doing it. Mm. Yeah. We pray for our world instead of his. Mm. And he knows that. So he's like, I'm not going to give this to him until you start praying yeah. for my will to be done, mm. not yours. Yeah. We should always pray for his, his will to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, I, I grow, I grow tired of praying the same thing over and over again sometimes, but then I have to remind myself it's a, it's an honor that I get to pray this every single time and know that the Lord is answer, is listening and going to answer one day, maybe not in the way that I expect, but in a way that is best because his ways are best. Um, so yeah, Elijah is a great example of what fervent prayer looks like. Um, his prayers played a role in God sending back the rain, um, not because God needed to be convinced, not because God was like on the fence on if he was going to send rain, but simply because God wanted Elijah to pray fervently. Um, and I found this quote in a commentary that I used to study this passage, and I think it kind of sums up this point perfectly. Um, it says, lukewarm attitude that virtually asks God to care about something that we, sorry, let me start over. Lukewarm attitude virtually asks God to care about something that we care little about. Effective prayer must be fervent, not because we must emotionally persuade, persuade a reluctant God, but because we must gain God's heart by being fervent for the things that he is fervent for. So God is passionate. God is fervent. Um, and if he is fervent about people turning back to him, um, we should be fervent about praying for those people. Does that make sense? When our prayers are lukewarm, it doesn't reflect the heart of God. God's heart is very passionate about us, so we should be passionate in our prayers. Um, so what should we be praying fervently for? What are some examples? I would just say, like for me, when I pray, I pray that he uses me to be his servant in the way he intends. Like not for me, I mean, for me to be happy, but not for me to be happy how I think I should be happy, like how he wants me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Laying aside your desires. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. What else? What should we be praying passionately about? For me, I think of my unbelieving friends and family. If my prayers can even play a little role in them coming to know the Lord. Like, I should be on my hands and knees every single day praying that the, like that God would save them. Um, because if fervent prayer plays, like, any role in God moving, then I want to make sure I'm doing my part um, in praying for the salvation of the people that I love. Um, but, yeah, you can pray passionately about anything um, and everything. And we should be praying about everything and anything. Um, so, yeah, any questions on this passage? There's a lot more there, um, but we're going to go ahead and turn to James 5. Um, and in James 5, James is the writer of this letter in the New Testament. So this is after Jesus has come. Um, salvation is for everybody now. Um, Jesus has died for our sins. He is resurrected, went into heaven, and now the church of Jesus is just doing ministry. So James writes this letter to a church, and he is telling them how important prayer is and how they should be praying all the time. So we're going to be in James 5, 13 through 20. Who would like to read verses 13 through 20? 
Okay, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Um, a little side note, verse 17 and 18, um, it says that Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. He prayed it wouldn't rain so the people would turn back to the Lord. And then once it, and then he prayed again that it would rain after the people would turn back to the Lord, in case you were confused there. I forgot to mention that in the other one. Um, so on the, in these verses, what circumstances does this passage say that we should pray? All of them. All of them, <laughs> Yes. Whether someone is suffering, whether they are joyful, if they are sick, um, if they've sinned and they confess their sin to you, you pray for them. Even if they haven't confessed their sin, you pray for them. Um, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel weird um, when someone says something to me that is like, I don't know, they're suffering like a lot. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you. Sometimes I feel bad saying that because I'm like, well, I... <laughs> I, it's like I believe that prayer doesn't do anything. Um, I don't know if you guys relate to that at all. Um, but that's so wrong for me to think that way um, because that's so far from the truth. Prayer is the most powerful thing we could do. It's the most important thing that we could do for someone. Um, and it's a lie to believe that prayer is anything less than the most uh, powerful tool that, tool that we have. Sometimes all we have is prayer. Sometimes we don't even have words. We just have to sit there and pray. Um, so... Yeah, any thoughts on that? Do you guys, like, agree that sometimes when you say, oh, I'll pray for you, you kind of, like, feel like, oh, I don't know. Um, no. I remember one time my mom and I were talking to me, like, yeah, a lot of Christians are, like, or just, like, a lot of people in general, like, pray, prayer is, like, their last resort. Hmm. Like, if I literally can't do anything else, and she was like, no, that should be, like, our first thing to do is pray. Yeah. And then, you know, just, like, keep praying. Yeah, yeah. It should always be our first thing that we want to do. Yeah, it's all we have power to do sometimes. Or if, like, breaking off of that too a little bit, if you tell someone that is a non-believer or they're a believer mm -hmm. and they're just not as strong in the faith, like, in that moment, I'll pray for you. Like, sometimes I think about <coughs> what they're thinking mm -hmm. because just like you said, like, it, you feel like it doesn't do anything in the moment, and they're probably feeling that too. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that part of it can also be, like, I want to fix it for them. Like, I want to give them, like, immediate relief for what they're feeling. Um, but that's just kind of taking away from what God could do in their life. Yeah. So looking at verse 15, it says that, um, it says, Pray uh, for one another that you may be healed, um, like, for the sick person. So... Like, God can absolutely heal, like, anything. Like, we, we heard Julia's testimony where God literally healed Colin of a tumor, like, took it, like, out of his body. Um, and there's no explanation for that. Um, but what happens when God doesn't heal? When 
um, someone stays sick or passes away, how do we rationalize that when we've been praying for them? Can't you say that that's what God, that's what your prayer was? And, like, it's hard to think about, but, like, maybe that's all, not like all of these have planned, but, like, it's just his plan, and that's not what we thought was going to happen, but that's okay. Hmm. Yeah, well, and sometimes it's part of something bigger, right? So one of, this is a part that I left out of my testimony, but um, part of, so one of my, the grandfather that passed away that had cancer, um, he was, we were very close, and so that really hit me hard, and that event was what brought up conversations and all this stuff that led to, like, the breakup, but that also led to me running back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, like, I fully believe that in the grand scheme of God's plan, He knew that my grandpa was in love with him, and, you know, he was going to be coming home anyway, so if bringing me back on the bandwagon was Mm going to be a benefit of him going to heaven, then that's what needed to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a weird way to look at it, like, that somebody else's death was the reason that, or was, like, the, the start of me, you know, coming back to God. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird thing to think, but, like, when we give our lives to the Lord, that's, mm-hmm. like, we give our lives. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's maybe that was, that was just, like, one of the many things God did with that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I'm not very popular today, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, and I also, so like, um, McKenna that was here a few weeks ago, her mom passed away a couple weeks ago. Um, but she got sick, really sick, and she almost passed away four years ago, right? And the Lord worked in her and healed her, and they got four more years, but none of their family, except for their dad, was Christian. None Mm -hmm. of them were following the Lord, and by this time around, they all were right. because they realized in that moment, oh, death really is fleeting and mm-hmm. whatever. So I know that wasn't death, but like sickness and, and you know, the prayer of their whole family around them at that time just brought them all mm-hmm. to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. God has a plan whether whether he answers the way that we want him to or not. He's working all things together. Yeah, any other thoughts on that? Your guys' experience? with God healing or God choosing not to heal? I think a lot of people think, like, when they go through something that's difficult or, like, painful, that it's not fair for God to put them through that. But Jesus went through all the same pain and suffering and humiliation and Hmm. everything that we could ever experience. So it kind of is good to remember that. He suffered the greatest amount. Yeah. And because he suffered the greatest amount, he's able to sympathize with us when we do walk through trials and through hardships. He's able to relate to us and um, like, uh, have compassion on us because he knows what it feels like. Yeah, so get, God can absolutely heal our physical illnesses, and we should pray fervently when someone is sick, and we should pray for them. Um, but we also have to trust that his will has to be done, and um, he is going to guide us through it every step of the way. Um, so looking at verse 16, it says that a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love this verse so much because it's a promise. Um, but the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. So 
what does that does that mean? Like, how do you become a righteous prayer? Um, so, how can a person be righteous and make their prayer effective? is a God of grace. Yeah. Yeah. How, and even though we do mess up and we do sin, how are we, like, how are we made righteous? I think just knowing that, like, when you're talking to him, knowing that you're, like, because we're earthly people, so we're going to suffer, and we're going to go through, like, hard times and rough times, but being able to look past the hard times and the rough times and learn from them and see the light at the end of the tunnel and know that that's God, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that holds us like closer to Him and mm-hmm. helps us be closer. Yeah, yeah, it means our hope. Yeah, um, yeah, and like the Bible does tell us, it says there is no none righteous, not even one. Um, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and that's why we need Jesus Christ, right? Who lived a perfect life, who died a death he did not deserve. And when we know Jesus, when we put our faith in him, we take on his righteousness. Um, we become his righteousness because we are covered head to toe in the blood that he shed for us, and he cleanses, of, cleanses, of, cleanses us of our sin. So this verse, when it says... A, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful effect, and effective. It's basically saying the prayer of a person that whose hope is in Jesus Christ alone, who knows they're a sinner, who knows that they're only made right because of what Jesus did for them, their prayer is effective. Um, so this is a promise that if you are a believer, your prayers are effective because you know Jesus Christ, and he is doing the work, and he is working in you, and he has made you right before God. Um, any questions? Does that make sense? Isn't that a cool thought? That it's not our strength that makes our prayers effective. It's only because we know Jesus. Um, Yeah. So also, James says that Elijah has a nature like ours. So this means that Elijah wasn't this, like, like amazing man that was so strong um, that enabled him to have powerful prayers. He was just your average Joe. He was just like you and I. Um, But he was fully devoted to God and fully trusted that God would work. And so... His prayers showed this, and therefore they were powerful because simply because his trust was anchored in God. Um, so our prayers are powerful only when they're anchored in who God is. Um, uh, sorry, I lost my place in my notes. So to conclude, prayer is the most powerful tool we have. Um, what are some of the things that we can pray for? I've asked this question already, but let's just throw out ideas. What can we be praying for? How can you pray? What do you guys pray for? Other people? It depends on the person, like what they're going through, things like Yeah. Yeah. Other people? Sometimes I pray that he doesn't, that I don't give up on trying to get other people to know him. Mm-hmm. When it's like really hard and stressful, I pray that he just gives me the strength to keep trying and yeah. keep going. 
because it can get really discouraging. Yeah, for sure. I'm very much a to you person. Like, mm -hmm. even though I know right now that I'm a believer and that I'm never going to let something get in the way of my relationship with him, but that he keeps that permission mm -hmm. and comfort. Yeah. I think of that um, song that we sing. I, I know the name of it, but I forget what it is right now. But it's like one of the lines is like, bind my wandering heart to thee. Like that's his like way of saying like, I'm, I'm, if you don't hold on to me, God, I'm going to wander. Um, so if we pray, like, don't let me wander. He'll hold on to us. Yeah, what else? What can we be praying for? I think prayer is obviously good for like specific requests that we have. But it can also be good to just like almost meditate on mm -hmm. who God is. And I know meditation kind of sounds like a bad Eastern religion type thing, but you're just kind of thinking about who God is and mm -hmm. maybe even remembering things that he's done for you. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of praying, you could pray through passages in the Bible and just reflect on like who he is. Yeah. It kind of humbles you for that day. Like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I don't think meditation is weird at all. The Bible tells us to meditate on the things that are godly, to think about them. Yeah, for sure. It humbles us, <laughs> makes us fall more in love with God. Yeah. Well, I'll run through the list that I made. Um, some of you guys already hit on these. Um, but we can pray for others who are struggling or hurting. We can pray, uh, we can pray and praise God for who he is. We can pray to thank God for his mercy, kindness, and goodness. We can pray for wisdom. If you don't know what to do, you can pray for wisdom, um, for healing, for spiritual gifts. Um, if you're like, I don't know how I can serve the Lord, what's my spiritual gift? Pray about it. He'll show you. Um, for guidance, for his will to be done. Um, you can pray for him to make you more like Christ, to change you, to humble you. Um, and you can pray to repent of your sins. And most importantly, you can pray and ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord and Savior of your life, which is the most important prayer um, you will ever pray. Um, and you can also pray when you have doubts and fears. So you're about to take a test. God help me. I'm scared. Um, give me wisdom. Um, you're feeling anxious. You're feeling overwhelmed. Pray. Tell the Lord exactly how you're feeling. We get to talk to our perfect, holy God that is so far beyond us. And we're these small, sinful little people that won't stay on earth very long in the grand scheme of things. But yet he's so, he's so in love with us and he, he wants to listen to us and wants to be in a relationship with us. Um, and it's a gift that we get to be in communication with him. Um, so we should take advantage of the wonderful gift that we have. Yeah, that's all I have. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll get on with our Saturday. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, um, I thank you so much, Lord, for um, just the gift of prayer and the fact that I'm actually talking to you right now and that um, you're the God that created the sky that's outside and um, every blade of grass and um, the air that we breathe, Lord. But even though my life is so short and I, um, I won't last long on this earth, you still care so much about what I have to say and what everybody here has to say. And God, I just pray and plead with you to just bind um, these girls to you and um, help them see how much you love them and how much you care for them. Would they just desire a relationship with you and grow in their knowledge of you and how much you love them, God? Um, would you be with us this week for those of us that 
um, want to share your love with those around us? Would you give them strength and courage? And would you um, just give them strength when they're feeling weary? And I just pray for anyone here that doesn't know how much you love them. Lord, would you just show them that? Um, would you guide them to yourself and open their eyes to your truth? Um, Lord, we love you and we're so thankful for everything you're doing in our lives. Um, would you just show us how to love you more? In your name I pray. Amen. I kept seeing him walk back and forth. <laughs>